Welcome to the Root of Power podcast, where I teach you how to chase your joy, find alignment, and create a life and a business that you love using actionable methods, interviews, and inspiring stories from people who know that true freedom is found within. I'm your host, your always hype woman and sometimes ass kicker, Amanda Chills, and I am so proud of you for choosing to step into your power. Come along, we've got dreams to build. Hello. Hi. Welcome to today's episode. This is a topic that I find happens um, a lot with people who experience trauma. And the reason for that is that (laughs) trauma disconnects people from themselves in an effort to protect. So mind has one objective. So we'll look through that lens where mind has one objective and the objective is to keep your meat suit running, is to keep you alive. And in order to do that, there are certain protective buttons that get pushed essentially when traumatic things happen, especially if that is chronic. So imagine like growing up in an abusive household or experiencing domestic violence in a relationship or a toxic relationship things like that. There are predictable buttons that get pushed, predictable patterns of behavior that happen when someone experiences trauma. Um, And so a lot of people, when they experience trauma, especially chronic, which is how you'll get into things like CPTSD, um, which is not an official diagnosis, but anyone in the field (laughs) recognizes, um, which would be complex post-traumatic stress disorder, meaning it happened over a long period of time. So it'd be different, um, for example, if like someone was in a car accident with a semi and developed PTSD versus someone grew up in an abusive household and developed PTSD, then it would be CPTSD, complex post-traumatic stress disorder. So some of the buttons that get pushed in an effort to promote survival are that trauma, um, survival mode disconnects people from their body, their intuition shuts down, their creativity shuts down, their logic shuts down, all of their energy and attention becomes focused on surviving moment to moment. So the way that I like to think of it is that mind has two levels. So there's conscious, things that happen consciously, and then most data gets processed outside of conscious awareness. And if you think about the amount of Uh, information you take in in a day. If you really (laughs) thought about doing that one by one, it would be never ending and very overwhelming. So most data gets processed outside of conscious awareness. And in fact, unconscious typically runs the show. So it controls breathing, heart rate, blood vessels, every system in the body is controlled by unconscious. Um, I like to think that unconscious generates emotion, thought, impulse in order to get us to take an action. So for example, um, if a little bunny is in a field and it's just like chomping away on grass and a wolf comes, then the mind of bunny generates fear in order to bring all the blood to the bunny's legs and help it run away from the wolf to live another day and eat some more grass. And you might think that the wolf generated the fear, but The wolf would probably be much happier if the bunny was unafraid 
and didn't run away because then it would catch the bunny much easier. So the mind of bunny generates fear in order to get bunny to run away. And when fear goes up, logic, creativity, problem solving, intuition go down because it overrides everything else. So survival mode is the same. When there is a traumatic experience or experiences, those things stay shut down. Because if you grow up in a household with someone who is volatile, violent, um, abusive, changes everything at the drop of a hat, well, there really is no escape. There is no safety. There is no, there's no escape from that. And so fear stays up, which means everything else stays shut down. And especially for children, but even adults in domestic violence situations who um, experience things like genocide, who have become refugees, like all of those things, because the survival mode is on, connection, intuition, all of those things are off because it overrides everything else. So there becomes this huge disconnect from self, which means some other things. So often I will have clients, um, trauma clients come to me and they'll say like, I don't know who I am. I don't know what I like. I don't know what I want. Um, and what I find is that no one has ever asked them what they want. No one has ever asked them what they like. I tend to be one of the first people in their life who really looks at them and says, I'm interested in hearing what you want. I'm interested in hearing what you like. And typically they'll look at me with like deer in the headlights and they'll be like, I don't know. And it's because that might be the first time they've ever asked that question. Because again, survival mode doesn't leave room for self-exploration or developing a self-concept. And so they'll often also say, well, I really don't have any confidence. And it's like, well, those things are pretty related, right? If there's no self-concept, if there's no going after what you want, then how, how does confidence come? Like those things are related. So because those things require the presence of safety and there wasn't safety, then they didn't get built. Now, the beautiful thing is um, it happens naturally through healing because healing, what you do when you're healing is you learn to center yourself, what you want, what you need, what you like, um, all of those things, which is not to say that other people are never thought of. It's only to say that you are the center of your life. You are the person that is responsible for you and for making sure that you get what you want. Um, other people are not going to give it to you. So centering yourself is something that naturally happens when you are healing. And it's a beautiful thing. Um, and so a lot of people come and they say, you know, I really don't know who I am. And through healing, they discover that. And it is a process of discovery. And it can be lifelong because we're not static human beings. We change with seasons. We change with time. We evolve over the course of our lives. Hopefully, <laughs> I have met some people who I'm like, oh, I really don't think that you've evolved at all. Um, but if you're listening to this, then I know that you are interested in growth and evolution, um, which is a beautiful thing. So that process can be lifelong because we'll continue to evolve throughout our lives. And it's such a beautiful thing to witness. So I have had clients change jobs, 
go back to school, get out of relationships that quite frankly were dumpster fires and get into relationships that with like sweet darling croissants. And I'm just like, yes, yes, yes. We love this for them because they got so clear on what they want and how they want their life to feel. And so I'll walk you through kind of how, how I do that process. But first I'll um, give you some other thoughts on that. So a lot of people at first think that they are their job. And while that is part of our identity, it's not all of our identity. And you have heard the term, don't put all of your eggs in one basket, right? It's not helpful to put our identity on something that, on only one thing. So for example, I um, have animals. I live on a farm. So part of my identity is animals and farm. I'm a therapist and that's part of my identity. I'm a woman and that's part of my identity. I'm white and that's part of my identity. I'm an athlete and that's part of my identity. Like those are all parts of an identity. They are, they, none of them make up 100% of me. And so I like to say, don't confuse your occupation with your identity. And you perhaps know people who retired or lost their job or changed jobs or couldn't work for whatever reason and really struggled with their self-concept. And that is why we don't put all of our eggs in one basket. Um, and I also like to say, don't confuse your occupation with your purpose. So because trauma requires surviving, a lot of um, you know people who experience trauma in struggling to figure out who they are, because again, there's just no room for it when survival is the priority. They also, when they start doing healing work, when you start doing healing work, want to find a purpose. And I think that's so human of us to say, I want a purpose. I want to make a difference in this world. And a lot of people think their purpose has to be their job. And it doesn't. For many people, a job is just the thing that pays their bills and allows them to do what they want in their spare time. And I know that that kind of goes against the American dream, right? Where everyone's like, you should love your job. And if it if you love what you're doing, you'll never work a day in your life, blah, 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 blah. And that's fine for some people. Some people get lucky. Some people are intentional and they live their purpose through their job. But many people don't and it's okay. So if that is something that you've been thinking, here is your full permission to just have a job that pays your bills and allows you to live the life that you want. Um, your purpose can be anything. And if you would, um, if you're, you've been like, well, I don't really know what my purpose is. I don't even know how to find it. Here's what I would suggest. Purpose finds you, but it only finds you if you're working. And through the course of work, people discover their purpose because they're doing work and it feels like it gives them energy and it feels inspirational. And what I would suggest if you're like, okay, well, I don't even know where to start. Here are two questions to ask. What makes you angry about the world? And what breaks your heart about the world? Those are very clarifying questions. For example, I what makes me incredibly angry is the way that veterans in this country are treated. And so I work with veterans. And what breaks my heart is that people suffer because they don't know any better. They just don't know. Um, and so 
here we are. <laughs> Hence the reason for me being a therapist and having a podcast and doing all the work that I do. Um, it could be that, you know, what breaks your heart is that animals suffer and okay, great. Go find some animals to work with. And it might break your heart that there are, uh, human children who are trafficked and okay, great. There are organizations doing that kind of work. So those questions are very, very clarifying. And there's a fallout boy quote that I really love, uh, that I heard years ago. And it says, you are what you love, not who loves you. And I really like that a lot because sometimes people will make their identity wife, husband, um, partner, mother, father, parent. And that is, again, part of an identity. But we are not ever one thing. We are all multifaceted. We, are, we all contain multitudes. Um, and so when, when you start healing, all of these things become like a playground. You get to play with who you are and who you want to be and unravel the you that has always been there underneath all of that survival mode. And it's like unraveling a sweater and just like more and more and more of you are visible, which is so, it's so fun. Like it is just wonderful. Life gets infinitely better when you start figuring out who you are, putting those things into practice, aligning your life with your values and what you want. And life just gets so, so, so much better. Um, so the you that you've always been, but couldn't always show because survival took priority. And that was, that was useful at that time, but it may not be necessary anymore. And I hope it's not. And I love that for you. And it might be necessary in some circumstances, right? So for example, like um, I have a lot of people who grew up with very ab abusive, manipulative, cruel parents. And so they get to live their life. But when they interact with their parents, there's a shift that happens. And that's not necessarily a bad thing. Um, if there is a need for protection, then it's useful. We just don't want it to be everywhere because you can create safety, you can create a life, your favorite life, and learn the nuance, the discernment of who to protect from. That is a thing that also happens with healing is a lot of discernment happens and it's, it's beautiful. Um, and the thing about authenticity and like being who you are is that, again, survival mode just, do it doesn't have room for it. It requires the presence of safety. So if you, haven't had the opportunity to explore that that's not your fault that's not your fault at all and if there's safety now then you get to explore it which i'm so excited for you for that so how do we start figuring out who the heck we are um great question <laughs> i will tell you so personality tests are so fun we are infinitely nosy little creatures and we love to find out about ourselves. And these can be a great way to start kind of figuring out who you are. Um, so the MTBI, Myers-Briggs, Myers, MBTI, Myers-Briggs type indicator, MBTI, I had it backwards. Um, that is a great one. So answer it in what feels most true for you, which is um, the goal with personality test. And that will give you tons of great information. Um, an Enneagram is like a personality type, another personality test, and that can give you information. 
human design, which is like astrology and energetics on steroids. <laughs> um, human design is a wealth of information. You can pull your birth chart. Um, all of those are meant to be used as inspiration. So like hold them loosely and figure out where it rings true for you and where it perhaps doesn't ring true. Um, so for example, I'm a Pisces sun and moon. And a thing about Pisces is they're said to be like very flighty, very wishy-washy. And like that part isn't true for me. And they're also said to be like very deep and they contemplate a lot. And like that part is true. So any of those are going to give you some really good information. You could also write down a list of things that you enjoy. And if you're like, I don't even know what I enjoyed, don't worry, there's more. Um, you Things that you used to enjoy as a child or things that you at any point in your life has been have been interested in or things that when you see other people doing think well that that might be kind of cool start anywhere it might not be like a deep knowingness of oh i definitely would love to do ballet but maybe at some point in your life that was something you wanted to do and that can be a good place to start you don't have to know it's a good place to start and you can refine over time and in fact it will refine over time you could um write down some beliefs that you hold and really check if those beliefs are yours if they're true for you now or if they were given to you um so i'm thinking of like a person who grew up in a very racist household and you know survival is valuable so they went along to go along when they were young, but as an adult, they don't really believe those things. And so that would be such a clarifying exercise to say, oh, I don't actually believe any of that that my family taught me. Um, I believe that all humans are valuable um, and have worth. So that would be very clarifying. So write down things that you, beliefs that you have, and really assess if they feel true for you. And that, is, <laughs> that one is a very, very clarifying one. Um, and who gave them to you? So interesting. Um, you could ask people you know to describe you in like five words. That one is always really eye-opening. Um, often I find that for people who have experienced trauma, the way that they see themselves is not how others see them. Um, typically because they get so much like shame, blame, negative programming that their view of themselves is just so skewed. So, you know, I'll have clients who think they're like the worst person on the planet and just like, well, are you trafficking children? No. Okay. Well, you're better than them. But the people in their life will say they're so kind. They're so thoughtful. They're so like fun to be around and it just like rocks their world. So I would very much encourage you to like text five people and say, Hey, um, you know, I'm wanting to learn more about myself. Can you describe me in five words? And how fun for you. Um, you could find a list of values and circle the ones that are important to you. And that's always a really clarifying exercise as well to figure out like, what the heck do I even like care about? What do I believe? What, what values do I hold? Do you value courage or freedom or wealth or community? Um, I find it helpful to have a list versus like trying to generate those. Um, and I will suggest this again that it is a lifelong journey who we are evolves over time as you refine more as you discover more things um, as you meet people that open up parts of you that someone else didn't have a key to um, 
so that's it. This, all of this will give you so much direction on who you are. And I'm rooting for you. So if this was useful, uh, please consider leaving a five-star review so it gets in front of more people. And the more people that are feeling better in both ways, both feeling in their body better and like literally feeling better, I think the better the world is. So have a most beautiful day. I look forward to you doing those exercises um, and tell me what you find out. Like, I would love to hear something you've discovered about yourself. So have a great day.